Hi, I'm Ann Faison, and this is Are We There Yet? Understanding Adolescent Grief. Today's guest is my friend Heather, who has been raising two kids in the wake of their father's death and her husband's death in 2019. So I wanted to interview her about what it's been like to deal with her grief and her kids' grief in the midst of the pandemic. Um, so hi, Heather. Hi, Anne. um so we met when our kids were in elementary school and now you have one in high school and one in college i have one graduating eighth grade and one who just finished first year of college okay so the younger your son my son is 14 and my daughter is 18 okay wow so i don't think i ever met your partner but um i wonder if you'd like to start by telling us a little bit about him and like how would you describe him I would describe um, Brad as um, an intellectual. Even though he did not go to college, he read the newspaper every day, Mm. was really well-informed about politics. He was no-nonsense. He cared deeply about justice Mm. and honesty Mm. and trust, um, but would not put up with stupidity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So sometimes that would come off as being a little... uh, you know, when he came to a party or if we did a dinner party, mm-hmm. if he wanted to talk to you and he felt like it was worth time for him, uh-huh. then he would. <laughs> but if he he was a person that didn't like to waste his time yeah. with things that, yeah. you know, and I think that was part of his growing up. He grew mm-hmm. up in Hollywood and not a very stable family, mm-hmm. very a lot of alcoholism. And mm-hmm. so I think that was his coping mechanism as yeah. an adult, you know. Yeah. But um he was caring, sentimental mm. um, at heart, but mm-hmm. didn't really show a lot of that, mm-hmm. you know? And what kind of dad was he? he? He was he was a dad that, because of his own upbringing, what was really important for him mm-hmm. was to be the provider mm-hmm. financially yeah. and make sure that there were things that his kids had and that we had that he didn't have, right? you know? Yeah. So his number one thing for him was always working, making sure stability, you know, like the fact that we bought a house Mm. and neither one of his parents ever purchased a house. They always rented in Hollywood. And and, um, I was always the one that volunteered. I was always the one that kind of drove the kids around and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah. Yeah. So just to lay the groundwork, let's see, um, how old were your kids when their dad was diagnosed with cancer? And then... How did you think about like delivering the news of his diagnosis to them? Uh, my son was had just started kinder. He was five. Okay. So he was really young. Yeah. Um, Maddie, my daughter, she was fourth grade. Yeah, fourth grade. Mm-hmm. She was nine. Okay. It was very weird how we found out. Brad had this weird thing in his throat, and mm-hmm. he decided to go get an endoscopic. Okay. And he discovered that he had cancer when he was at work. And Mm. it was, like, so shocking for him. Mm. He called me, and it was like he had crumbled. Like, Mm. he was at work crying, and he was like, I need to get home. I have cancer. Because he pressed the doctor to tell him on the phone, which, you know, he's like, he's a knowledge person. Anyway, so, you know, we decided we were going to wait to tell the kids. But, you know, when you have that kind of energy in the house, kids pick up on that, you know. So we decided that until we really knew concrete what exactly was happening that we were going to wait so it was maybe a month and a half maybe Mm -hmm. a month 
Um, but we wanted to know really what the diagnosis was. Yeah. Um, and I think from the beginning, he really knew because it was stomach cancer. Mm. So it's not something that he, I think he knew from the beginning um, that he was going to die from it. Mm. You know, I think that because that type of cancer is not where there's some other cancers you can prolong and live. Yeah. You know, some like breast cancer and other cancers. Yeah. I was a little bit more naive. I, I'm that positive yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of energy yeah. that I was always like, you know, yeah, you no, know. you never know, you yeah. never know, but just keep right. going. Yeah, I don't, I don't really fully recall um, sitting the kids down, yeah, like and telling them. Um, I know we did it. Right. I didn't realize that I was like in survival mode for so many years mm. and I thought I was doing so well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So during that time, I, I can see when I reflect now, I there's a lot of like missing pieces. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That I have. So when your husband, after he was diagnosed, um, you must have had conversations about deciding how much to share with your kids about his illness and, and the prospect of his death as as it was moving forward and... You know, was it, was, were those kinds of conversations things you planned and talked about, or did it just sort of happen organically? We talked a little bit about it. A lot mm-hmm. of it happened organically. I mean, once the cat was out of the bag and we talked about it, um, we're always open. Like, we talk openly in the house. Yeah. There's no shut doors. Mm. I mean, even when there was arguments or anything else, everything was always heard. Mm. Yeah. There was no, you know, sitting, we would sit down and be like, okay, so here's the plan. Dad's right. going to have a surgery. This is how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're going to go to your friend's house or like, would there yeah. be those kinds of contingency plans? Yes. Yeah. You know, at the time I always thought that, um, that we were really trying to make them feel okay about it. But um, honestly, I think there was a lot of fear in the house. I think that there was a lot of uncertainty on their part that they couldn't convey to us that they couldn't they just didn't articulate they just didn't know how to do it and didn't understand it they were too young yeah and me being that positive everything's going to be fine I just went about the day and we just did all normal things Mm -hmm. you know we talked about it a little bit but it felt so complicated. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it, so... Felt, it felt so complicated. And there was so many levels of it because um, Brad and I had been together for a long time. And there were things in our marriage that were a little rocky at that yeah. time. We were raising kids. We didn't always agree on everything. So sure. there was that, you know, that component. Yeah. And then the component with him having cancer. And then the component of us with the kids and how we're behaving and trying to explain things to them and, um, and work yeah. and, 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 and uh, you know, yeah. you're just kind of like, huh. You also were pre-grieving, right? You were having anticipatory grief. Yeah. Which I didn't know that mm-hmm. I was doing that till much later. Yeah. Um, everything was pretty positive in the first, I would say eight months mm-hmm. of the diagnosis. Um, when Brad went into surgery, they thought they only needed to take part of his stomach, but then they needed to take the whole thing. They realized it was much more than they thought. Mm. And I felt like things like all the doctors were like, you did well, and, you know, I think you don't need to do chemo. So the first year was, you know, he went back to work after, I think, six and a half, eight months mm-hmm. and was working, and then he had a relapse. And then 
he got deep depression. Mm. And so that really threw, he wasn't a person that was positive the rest of the year. The last three years was a lot of depression, Mm. a lot of never getting off the couch. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was complicated too, because then the kids would want to do things and everything was cancer and everything was about the dying. And um, I just kept going and being positive, you know, and I made the mistake of not taking the time to get help for myself Mm -hmm. and be strong so I could help everybody else in the house. I was working, taking care of my husband and then taking care of the kids and then trying to get them in therapy and do things for them. And I should have done it the other way around. (laughs) I realized I was like, I should have gotten myself help first. So I could have been a little more clear, but I was on that bicycle surviving. Yes. And And so many things were missed and I was making decisions out of fear and... Sure. I'm so... I really appreciate you being honest about that because I think that's a big thing with parenting and, you know, in all all kinds of parenting, day-to-day regular old parenting. We tend to focus on the kids and not on ourselves because it's more complicated to focus on ourselves. And, And we think... Well, we're so busy taking care of the kids in general. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just get them help. And, you know, people have come to me with their kids after a loss and say, like, my, my child needs grief counseling. Yeah. And and I'll say, okay, I'm happy to talk to them, but honestly, I'd rather talk to you yeah. um, at least one session to talk about where you're at. You know, a kid coming to talk to me who doesn't know me yeah. is not really going to be getting much out of that session. No. Um, and I don't do, I'm not a therapist, so I don't do long-term, um, you know, therapy. I really just try to see people a few times to help them get their head around it and to help them understand how to make space for grief in their life. Yeah. Um, and then if they need therapy, I'll definitely recommend it. But, you yeah. know, just that idea of like, put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Remember, you know, I love that they tell us that every time we're on a plane. And it's yeah. a good reminder for life in general. Like, take care of yourself, then worry about your kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because so much of what their experience is, is watching you and seeing you. It's so true. So you you established therapeutic relationships for your kids, so they had somebody that they could talk to? Like, how was that? It took years. Like, and it was more about, like, what can I afford? Mm-hmm who will go yeah that kind of thing um and we went through a lot of therapists yeah like they would go for a while and not not go for a while yeah, yeah. um it's interesting yeah. my daughter madeline mm-hmm. we had a very complicated um tough relationship mm. she was her dad died when she was in high school in ninth grade right and with social media the phones all the other things that come yeah. with that yeah um, she was, there was a lot of risk taking and things. There's a lot of things that you talk about, about yeah. your own life that I can so relate to. Mm. And, um, she did graduate and she got herself into a college and, you know, it was funny. She called me one night, uh, she was just crying and she was like, I just want to tell you, you're, you're a good mom. She goes, I can reflect on this now. And I can see that you pushing me and doing these things and wanted me to do certain things. She goes, she goes, I know that I still do things that our relationship is working on, but basically she was saying, 
at 18 to reflect on that well i mean or 17 she's eight yeah i think it was when she had turned 18 that's kind of amazing it's amazing but i I am gonna i am gonna say though she called me and i'm pretty sure she had a little to drink yeah and um like i just want to tell you you're the best mom and i just you're you're killing it and Mm. all these things and I had hung up the phone and I texted my friend and I was like, I feel like I'm in an episode of Better Things. And I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but it, the same thing happened where her daughter comes home from college and she ends up having a couple margaritas and she climbs into bed with her mom and she's like, starts to cry. He's like, you're the best mom and you're going to die one day. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can. That's so helpful. But, but I could, but it was like, for me also an opening like I can see, I'm like, she's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, I had so much fear mm. and I made so many decisions out of fear. We had not a great relationship for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I let go, I just was like, okay, you're going to go off to college and yeah. you're going to figure it out. Yeah. I really cut the strings. I didn't demand grades. I didn't demand to ask where she was going to be. Yeah. I was just like, you yeah. have to figure this out. Yeah. Um, which was really great for her. Yeah. You know, it was my first aha moment. Like, oh, okay. Like we just need some space and we Mm. just need some time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I can see she's just on a better road. Yeah. You know, than before. I mean, I think rebellion is so important um, with kids, but especially kids who are going through something tough. They have to figure out like, what are my boundaries? What am I capable of? What am I not capable of? What, you know, what kind of things can I do and get in trouble, not get in trouble? You know, it's, it's heavy, Mm -hmm. um, but it's part of growing up. And that's, that's my big sort of mantra about grief is it's a big piece of growing up. Yeah. So, and I learned to lower the bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was like said to me by a therapist. They're like, why don't we lower the bar a little bit of your expectations? How would that look? And I'm like, Hmm. How would that look? Yeah. You know, and that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your son was much younger. Um, mm-hmm. And so when Brad died, they were, you said, nine and so he, Yeah. So, well, no. Fortune was nine going on 10 and Brad died on the 21st and his Fortune's birthday was on the 26th. Mm. So that's going to be very interesting for him. Yeah. To have to process into adulthood um there were two major birthdays that fortune had to spend Mm. in the in the hospital wow and yeah that was that was tough Mm -hmm. um and he brings it up Mm -hmm. so i gotta tell you something very weird and you can cut it out (laughs) just about how different people deal with different things so both my kids love a good dead dad joke which um (laughs) at first I was always like this is so weird yeah but now I allow it yeah and what's interesting is they've both had friends that try to do it and they're like no 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 you don't get to do that because you're not wearing the badge you're not in the club Mm. and I was like yeah you're right and then both of them do this thing where so Brad was cremated mm-hmm. and he's in a box and, yeah. and we have done a few things like we took him to San Francisco with us and we put yeah. a little and then we took him to Hawaii and we yeah. put a little in the ocean and yeah. we do this thing where we're just kind of yeah. traveling and he's yeah. coming with us and we're you know I love that and 
my son recently has done this thing where he'll just go in the closet and get him out and hang out, put him on the table. And I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah, dude, if that's, that's awesome. What you, if that's your way, yeah, you know, yeah. So, and cause we've also talked about, um, that where did, where did a living go to, mm. to want to visit or have a moment? Yeah. You know, I think it's so different because, you know, Back in the day, yeah. it was just automatic. People were buried in a cemetery. I mean, half of my dad's side of the family all have plots in the same cemetery, and they do go and leave flowers and have, yep. you know, that moment. Yep. So I didn't even realize that I was kind of do, making a tradition of this. Let's take your dad somewhere. So later on in life, when we've there's no more of dad and this, you know, yeah. there's places you can go to, Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, to visit. Yeah. And then it creates conversation, helps create conversation between the three of us where we can talk about it. Yeah. You know, sometimes. Yeah. How does that go? Like, is it, do you find it challenging? Do you, are, are you the one always bringing it up? Do they bring it up? Like, I don't really try to bring it up much anymore. I yeah. allow them to do it. I used to really force it in the beginning. Mm. You know, I want them thinking, oh, we gotta process this yeah. and, you know in the beginning because you know we're gonna grieve you yeah. know I got all the books and people right. were sending me stuff and I thought yeah and then after about a year I realized I was like yeah this is gonna take a while mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and they're yeah. gonna take their own yeah. way of doing it yeah um you know my kids were really really angry with me yeah like there's a lot of you don't realize there's a lot of anger yeah with grief absolutely especially for kids yeah yeah so much anger Mm -hmm. and used to really bother me Mm -hmm. like in the beginning and until I got myself centered about it and what it was really about um I couldn't react to it in a healthy way yeah you know but I feel uh now I feel way more when there's like kids can say the most cutting things yeah oh so cutting yeah and I'll be like okay I, I know you really don't believe that, but, and then I just have learned to be quiet, mm-hmm. which I was not before. Mm-hmm. To just listen. To just listen or just let it be, yeah. just give space and, yeah, you know, to me that was in the past was like a form of like giving up or not, mm-hmm. you know, kind of getting what you needed to get yeah. out of the situation. But it wasn't until I started. I mean, I still do it. I mean, I still nag too much, and you know. But I'm much better than right. I we was. all have our patterns. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds like you've learned so much. Yeah, I, I've learned a lot. You know, I have a really good. As I tell the kids, we have a really good village. Mm. Like I have a really good core set of people in my life who also had losses, and we've talked a lot. And you know, I try to listen to a podcast here and there. I'm not a huge reader, but I do listen to books on audio and I've mm-hmm. listened to a couple, but I think that kids make you better. Yeah. <laughs> at least my kids have helped me be better. Like I just yeah. look at them and I'm like, I need to do better. I need to work on myself so yeah. I could be there for them, you know? Yeah. Um, like failure is like some of the best medicine. Yeah. I mean, I've failed a lot and I'm like that you, you can fail again at that, but yeah. let's learn from that and how can right. I do things differently right 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 you know yeah because uh, my personality was always people pleaser yeah perfectionist people pleaser that's yeah 
can be crippling. <laughs> yeah, and it's very hard to go through a grief process with that because there is no right way, there is no perfect mm-hmm. way, there is no solution. There's no you have to just sit yeah. with it and go. Yeah, trudge sort of through it. Yeah, yeah. I I have many moments of. Uh, where Brad and I were sitting in the dining room and he he would be just so depressed and talking about cancer and crying. And I I couldn't, I couldn't let go of that perfectionist people pleaser, like go get them positive. I was just always like, it's going to be fine. Just, just, you know, kind of like just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and like, let's just, you know, and I wish that I could have been more Mm. in those moments. Which I was towards the end when he died. He died at home. Okay. We did hospice at home. Mm. I was like, I felt like it was really important for him to leave in a positive way mm. to, to be able to let go. Yeah. And not a lot of people do hospice and yeah. home. Yeah. It's really gnarly. Yeah. It's difficult to sure. watch. And it was interesting because they were like, that night before they were like, well, I, it's any moment now. And I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's yeah. really stubborn. Yeah. He's super stubborn. And the next day, I kind of knew. I was like, hmm. My mom was there. My good friend Bridget was there. We had a lot. His good friend Eric was there. We had a lot of people would come and sit. Anyway, that day, I had to go do something. And I said to him, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to be back at noon. And then I'm here. And I came back. It wasn't an hour and he at 122 he passed mm. but he waited for my son to leave my mom was like why don't i just take him up to the park for just a minute cuz he was getting really squirrely and mm. it wasn't even 20 minutes after he had left i think it was too painful yeah for him to let my son see that sure he was young and i think there was a lot of guilt mm-hmm. about leaving him right um and being sick always around his birthday when he had his surgeries. Mm. And did your son have any feelings of like, oh, I missed it or I wasn't, you know. We haven't really talked about that. Yeah. But we just sat and waited for the corners. And my daughter laid next to him. And then mm. when my son came home, he also laid mm. in the bed. We had we had put his um, hospice bed in the dining room. Yeah. Not in the bedroom. Right. Because when you go to the bedroom, not people aren't going to go there. We put right. him in a space we people all visit. we all yeah. could just be yeah you know and that way we people could sleep on the couch during the yeah. night and be there but it was interesting how they dealt with it and um, my daughter had this very strange reaction when people would ask her she would laugh hysterically oh wow um, so when people would ask her what just like oh um how did your dad die or the cancer how are you feeling or anything that surrounded yeah. that and she would just burst out laughing Crack she up. just <laughs> I was like, wow. I love that. This is not <laughs> something I was expecting. But what yeah. a good way to deflect. I feel like what for kids, one thing that is so hard is when your parent is sick or they die and people want it, they want, they feel bad and they want to say something. And yeah. as soon as they sort of even start moving towards you as a child, you feel that energy and you're like, oh, I don't want, yeah. I don't want your sadness. Yeah. So you're you're learning all kinds of behaviors, which totally unconsciously to deflect yeah. that energy. And some of it is just like a blank stare, bursting out laughing. I think would work really well to yeah. just get like like get your yucky stuff off me. You know, 
Yeah. I can only have empathy. I can't understand it. I mean, I was an adult when yeah. I, you know, right. when I lost the most significant yeah. person, you know, um, and they're, they were just their kids. So it's still hard for me to understand, yeah. you know, exactly what they're going through. And then also for my kids, you know, COVID hit a year later and that became super complicated. Right. Um, yeah. So four year illness. Um, so that's a lot. It's a, it was a long time. And then a year after, so you're really still in the thick of the aftermath and COVID hits. Um, do you even remember that first year? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I mean, what people don't talk about is there's so much paperwork and there's mm. so many things you have to do. Yeah. Death and taxes and how that works and... So many things. You know, yeah. like I had a person say to me, when you order your death certificate, make sure you get more than one because people will keep them. You'll have mm. to send them to many places. Like all of that, there was so much just like mundane yeah. paperwork stuff that I had to do that I was almost kind of grateful because mm. it helped me just busy, busy, yeah. busy work, yeah. you know? I don't remember how the kids were, yeah. honestly, how yeah. they were doing. Right. Um, I think the reason why I don't remember a lot is because I was operating also from a, a very fearful place because that was, my daughter was ninth grade. She started really going yeah. off the rails. Um, and I was just making decisions out of fear and just trying to get through yeah. each day. Yeah. You know, I didn't kind of realize that till later mm -hmm. and when you start becoming not fearful about things you realize when that that emotion comes up you don't make decisions you yeah. don't make good decisions yeah. and at least for me my brain is kind of cloudy right you know yeah, like you're in fight or flight you know yeah yeah mm -hmm. um but we also did other things um i started this tradition where we were like every sunday we had dinner with a different family and it didn't matter, we could go to the park or you could come to our house or we'd go to your house. And we did that for, I want to say, four or five months. Yeah. Um, I, we tra Like within the first month, we traveled. We went to San Francisco and mm. we took Brad up and we stayed with a friend. And we did, I tried to just keep Do us stuff. busy and yeah. kind of get out yeah. of the house and focus on something else. Yeah. You know, my son always, he seemed so fine the first couple years. Sure. And I, didn't realize he really, I mean, his response to all of it was anger, mm -hmm. which is really, really, I didn't realize so typical for yeah. boys yeah. when trauma, yeah. you know, comes. It took me a long time to figure out how to deal with that, mm. you know. How did you? I didn't have great boundaries mm -hmm. in the beginning. Right. And I, I had to insert better boundaries Yeah. for him. Um, and I still am trying. Yeah. Like our big fight is the phone. Mm, you know, right. and gaming. Mm -hmm. That's our big fight, the right. two of us. Sure. Yeah, that first year was weird. And then when we went into COVID, you know, then the kids with online learning, which my son tanked, he hated it, mm -hmm. did not do well. Right. I think it just made my daughter even more depressed, mm -hmm. you know, than what mm -hmm. was already happening. So we spent a lot of time in the house, but a lot of kids in bedrooms. And I think it was a balance. We had some really tough times and we had some really great times together where yeah it made us it forced us to face each other and be mm -hmm. together as one yeah you know? yeah yeah what was good about that for me because I can't speak yeah. for them 
Um, for me, it was learning to focus on the important things in life. Mm. I had gotten so caught up in my career, making money so I could afford certain things for the kids. Yeah. And kind of realizing, like, that's not really what's important here. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people, right? you know, um, that was discovered that. Yeah. And just trying to be within your bubble, your village, and wanting to connect, have more human connection. I think, for, yeah, for me, that was just wanting to have more human connection and becoming more deep. Mm. I think that I was a little bit on the surface, mm-hmm. you know, disconnected. And with the death of Brad and COVID, that double whammy brought me more grounded yeah, and into a place that have better connections and be more open yeah. and allow my emotions to be there yeah. instead of just stuffing them. In. Yeah. But it sounds like you were that first year when you said you had a weekly dinner with different families. I love that idea. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it only, it happened right after Brad had passed. Yeah. So it was before COVID. Okay. Um, but you know, it took us places that yeah. sometimes we didn't go before and I would even ask work friends yeah. like oh hey do you, does yeah. your family want to have dinner like oh, trying to be open to different experiences like how will that feel how yeah. will that be you know and I love that impulse because I know for me as a kid I wanted to get out of the house you know because the house was where mom I felt her the most and, yeah. and her her presence wasn't comforting at that stage it was yeah. more like this this terrible feeling. Yeah. So the more I could get out of the house, the better. Yeah. So I love I think, that you had that impulse. like, Which is interesting, which I think was probably my daughter's yeah. instinct, yeah. sneaking out and, and right. leaving and going and not wanting to be in the house. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, my I wanted us to, I wanted them to also know like you have a whole community of people yeah. that can be there for you. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't something I was trying to say. I was just trying to show. Yeah. And they now have realized, as they've gotten older, you know, they call a couple of my good friends, Amy Joe and Jay, and, you know, uncle, aunt, like they're family. Mm. Like family just doesn't yeah. mean blood-related. Right. You can right. have family that care about you that can be friend friends as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's so important to realize, as their mom, you can only be so much to them they need other adults they need other mentors they need other guides and teachers yeah yeah I didn't learn that until after Brad's death too I just thought you know I know so much I can teach you yeah and Um, on their end too like there's a lot they're not going to want to talk to you about or they're not going to want to share with you that they can they can ask somebody else about or yeah I know for me we did talk about my mom a lot in the beginning Mm -hmm. but then my dad remarried and so I was always hungry for information about her as I grew up. Like, I will always just love talking to her friends about her, you know, because I couldn't really talk to my dad about her. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you, I mean, I'm sure it's a little different with you guys. But in terms of talking about Brad, like, how do you, do you guys talk about him a lot? Yeah, yeah. If, if they ask me. Yeah. And, and a lot, sometimes music is a huge thing in our family. We okay. listen to a lot of music. So th- a lot of times, like, music will come up and I'll be like, oh, yeah, did you know that? You know, your dad really liked that. Or Fortune likes to DJ now a little bit at dinner. We listen to music. And he he played Tin Man. For, I think it's Tin Man from America. Or mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And then he played Chicago. Um, what is that? Sunday in the Park. So nostalgic. And I was like, this is your dad's music. Like, he loved that song. And he, we listened to a lot of music. But I don't know if Chicago was played a lot. I know that Brad 
liked that, but I see so many similarities that Mm. my son does of um, things he likes and does, the way he sits, the way he crosses his legs. As a kid, obviously, your whole thing is about individuating um, away from your parents. But I think when you lose a parent, you know, and every kid is different, but it sounds like your kids, you know, and I think a lot of kids today do this where they want to find those connections and they want to kind of cultivate those connections yeah. early. Yeah. 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 It, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's taken, a, um, my son is finally going to what we call like a mentor type of therapist okay. person, but it's taken a really long time to find somebody. Yeah. Um, and when he finally connected with him, I said, you know, there's some weeks he's like, I don't want to go. I'm like, okay, let's try for next week. Yeah. And he'll go. And I can see how important it is because it's, he's a male therapist. He's young that he's connecting with him on a level. Like it doesn't matter. Like he came back last week. He goes, uh, why have you never told me about a tribe called quest? This is a great band. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen loves them, and I was You're like, mad. "He's yeah, mad at you." Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> "He's like, have, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard this band?" I'm like, "Of course, I've heard this band." And then he he plays the song, and he's like, "Yeah, Stephen really likes it." And we talked about, you know, MF Doom, this other rapper that you know isn't well known, but has influenced so many other hip hop rappers. Okay. And I'm like, "Listen, if that was your session, I'm yeah, it's because he's missing that male component, right?" that Mm -hmm. I just kept trying to, and I'm like, okay, good. Like, even if it's for a brief moment, yeah, you know, like he has this small component and if that's what you talk about, then Mm -hmm. that's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and then he'll come out sometimes. Yeah. We, dad came up. We talked a little bit about dad. I'm like, great. And I, in the past, I would have been like, what did you talk about? (laughs) What did he say? How do you feel? Mm. You know, like just, just like needing more like that, you know? (laughs) And now I'm like, great. And then I'm just silent. Yeah. And it's so hard for me mm. driving home. And just I just want him to tell me everything. And I'm like, no, keep your mouth shut. He had a good session. And yeah, that's it. Just because we're yeah. not talking doesn't mean we're not having, we're not sort of communing. You yeah. know? I mean, what do you think you've learned in terms of like, if you were talking to somebody who had just lost a partner, like in terms of how to parent through that, like what... <sighs> I don't know. What would be sort of the bigger things you would say? I would be really broad about it because Mm. one of the things that I really don't like is when someone tries to tell me Mm. how I should be. Right. That has come up a lot. It kind of makes me angry. Like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I'm like... Trying to solve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, listen to your gut. Mm. Just listen to your inner self. Like, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Kind of thing. And there's no timeline. There, There are no mistakes. Like, take your time, you know, reach out to people when you're ready. Once I got out of it and I stopped being fearful or stopped just trying to, like, have that monotony of, like, we just need to trudge on um, when kind of things started cracking for me, Mm. you know, about wanting to work on myself and be just more accepting of, like, with my kids and how they're going to be and not... That that's the I think that's what COVID did for me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, part of it was a lot of it was the grieving and the death of my husband. Realizing like, boy, life is going to be very different. You can go down some different paths. Right. And then COVID hit, and it was more about oh, looking at like, okay, what's important here mm-hmm. for me for myself? Yeah. 
and my family. And um, yeah, I would just, I would just say like, just listen to yourself, mm. take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, that's all I can say. Cause mm. it, you know, people would suggest self-help books or this or that, and yeah. you got to get therapy or you got to do this. And I'd be like, I'm not ready. Yeah. I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So true. I just think people have to honor where they're at. Yeah. And that that's really it. I mean, and do you think about how you will support them? I mean, specifically to their, with their grief throughout their lives? Like, do you look forward in, in that sense? Yeah. I kind of, like I said, I saw that small glimpse with my daughter when mm. she called me Yeah, and had that moment. And yeah, I look forward to like, I'm excited now for this yeah. growth to happen. Yeah. And I can see that our relationship will evolve and change. And yeah, I look at my daughter, even though she's made some decisions and yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah. But I look at her and I'm in awe mm. of the complexity and the, the, the knowledge and things that she talks about yeah. and, deci- and how she makes decisions and she stands by them mm. and she's so strong. Yeah. I have so much, I'm so optimistic about this generation. Yeah, I, I have, I think that my kids are going to, I think things, this generation's really going to do things very differently, I'm hoping, mm-hmm. um, and bring things back to kind of earth. I think people were kind of floating and up here and not yeah. kind of being grounded and really, really realizing what's important, what's really, really important. Yeah. Well... Again, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much about your experience. And um, yeah, I'm very hopeful about this generation and our kids and your kids. I think they're going to be great. They're going to be fine. They're going to be who they're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Anne. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate all of my listeners. And please send me a a comment if you can or a a shout out. It's always great to hear from people what they're thinking about the podcast, what they're getting out of it. I really appreciate that. Um, If you can rate and review the podcast on any platform that you're listening on it, that really helps other people find it. And lastly, I always want to thank Josephine Wiggs for the music. It's from her album, We Fall. 